so much. Amen. So thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, and He meets our every need, doesn't He? And He is the answer. On the front of your bulletin, 
there's the picture of a cup that's overflowing. And I don't know if you've ever met somebody who is just like that overflowing cup, just filled and overflowing, overflowing. We talked about the gift of life that God has granted us. And uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful, sacred thing. But He's also given us new life in Christ. To be born again means to be born from above. And if you've been saved, you know what I'm talking about. But there is an element that is still missing for those who have never experienced the abundant or overflowing life. God, uh, God grants it to us. Uh, we can be filled with His love. As we've heard songs about love, we can be filled with His power and with His peace and with His presence. And all this enables us to live life in a very, very challenging surroundings. Uh, didn't you always want to be like that, overflowing, have it all together? Didn't you wonder how people could do that in spite of life's problems? Well, today I have a desire in my heart, and that desire is to tell you the truth about the Holy Spirit. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5. There the Apostle Paul is writing to some very mature believers. And these are people that you would say are in the major leagues of Christianity. They have, uh, they have a grasp of doctrine. They understand things. But all the doctrine in the world will do us no good unless we're empowered. Unless we apply the truth. Uh, it's going to do us no good just to know the truth. The, the truth sets us free, but we have to take that step. It's just that simple today. In Ephesians 5 and verse 18, in a chapter that's just filled with, uh, with wonderful, wonderful truth and principles, we read, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And our message today is not about abstinence from alcoholic beverages, because that's not the illustration at all. The illustration is that just as a person who becomes intoxicated, uh, for example, on wine or on an alcoholic beverage, that person thinks differently, don't they? They see differently, they talk differently, and they walk differently. And likewise, look at me. A person who is filled with the Spirit of God is going to think differently and is going to see differently and walk differently and talk differently. If you want to have the life that is victorious and the life that wins, we must be literally intoxicated with the Spirit of God. Now, that doesn't mean be out of your mind and crazy and act you know, uh, foolishly in excess. We're going to talk about that as well. A lot of people are, are very shy, gun shy, of any talk about the Holy Spirit. One of my mentors years ago brought a message on the Holy Spirit. And he gave the illustration that when he was a young preacher, he was having some success in the pulpit and was invited to preach a message for an older pastor, more established, a little further down in the state. And he went there to preach. And uh, he said, man, I tell you what, uh, the first night it was cold. It was so cold you could ice skate down the aisle. There was no response to the preaching of the Word of God. And the second night and the third. And so after several days, it was the afternoon of the, the, the next meeting, which would be that night. And the older pastor said to the younger pastor, said, Bob, have, have you ever been filled with the Spirit? And he looked back and he said, why, no, I'm a Baptist. And that is the problem. Now, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I'm a Baptist in doctrine. But some people are so incurably Baptist, they think it's wrong if they're filled with the Spirit of God. And I want you today to get over that. Can I help you to get past that? I hope that I possibly can help you. 
There are those, what some have called, the errors of the Holy Spirit. And I don't prefer that language because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. And He indwells every born-again believer. And whereas we may have all of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit may not have all of us. Come on now. Come on. There'll be several places during You know when the president gives a speech and he pauses, that's when you're supposed to applaud? Well, when the preacher pauses, that's when you're supposed to say amen. Because think about it. The thing that I'm saying is personal. You can personalize it. Amen? Amen. amen. Now, we're going to practice a little bit. Uh, God is good all the time. Amen. All right. Now you got it. Okay. Very good. I don't use the terminology, the errors of the Holy Spirit. There may be errors about the Holy Spirit, Ed. Wouldn't you say? There may, be, there may be some confusion regarding the Holy Spirit. There are some natural fears that people have. They're afraid that if they are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, why well, they won't be normal and everybody will, you know, they'll, they'll be institutionalized or something, and that's not the case at all. There is in Scripture a very, very, very clear statement of what we should be, and it says it right here, be filled with the Spirit. That is a command. And it is routinely disobeyed by people who are motivated by fear rather than by a, a great desire to have all that God wants them to have so they can be all that God wants them to be. You see that cup on the, on the cover of your bulletin, on the front of your bulletin? It's overflowing. That's what you should desire. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundant. He wants us to have the abundant life. He wants us to overflow. We can only have that abundant life if, in fact, we are filled with, controlled by, and led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, those of you who are not saved, have not yet come to Jesus Christ, this may all sound a little strange. Let me, let me put it on a level that you can understand. We're happy to talk about this because we are so glad that hell is now in our rearview mirror. Amen? Amen. That's one of the places you amen. We're so glad that hell is in our rearview mirror. We're not going to hell anymore. You know why we're not going to hell? Because Jesus took our hell for us. That is bluntly stated exactly what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross of Calvary when He was buried and rose from the dead. He took our punishment. He paid the full price of our penalty. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I didn't say it. God said it. If you've got an argument, your argument's with Him, not with me. God wants you to be saved and know for sure. These things have I written unto you that believe that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have eternal life. We want to know that for sure, but we want to have more than just a reprieve from hell. Salvation isn't just a fire escape out of uh, hell's fire for all eternity, but it's much, much more. If, if uh, you've been saved, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We have a new beginning. We have potential for great things. Do you know that being saved can help you to be a better husband or wife, a better father or mother, a better worker, a better whatever, fill in the blank. You can be better because you've been saved. And God can help you to come to the fullness of that particular venue, that particular role in your life. What I'm talking about now is to, to be overflowing, not just to have a fullness, but overflowing to that point. That's what we're talking about today. Would you turn uh, back in the Gospel of John, please? Turn with me. The Gospel of John and the 16th chapter. Now, Jesus Christ has already announced to His disciples that He's going to go away. He's going to die for the sins of mankind. He's going to be buried, rise from the dead. He's going to leave. And uh, there is going to be a provision for them. They, they're so concerned they're going to be left alone. They're not going to have that peace and that power that they had in the presence of Jesus Christ 
when he, God in a body, walked this earth. But he says something to them. Now please notice in John 16, beginning in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you that the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. We sang about that. The Comforter has come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's what he's doing right now in this world through the ministry of the gospel, through the ministry of Christians, believers, every day in their everyday venues. All right? So uh, he's going to reprove of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, Jesus says, but ye cannot bear them now. Now get this, how be it when He, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, is come. He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. Now He's going away, but He says, I'm going to send another comforter. He's talking about the Holy Spirit who is the same in the sense that this is another person of the Trinity. Now, they're not three gods. There's one God, but there are three persons in the Godhead. We understand that God is triune. Now, we don't logically uh, deduce. We, we can't figure it out, so we faith it out. We accept it. We believe it. What God says is absolutely true. It's better than the alternative. To just be floating around and not have any absolutes in your life and not know what's going to happen and not know who's going to help you or what's going what's to come down. But when you've got the Lord in your life, you accept by faith what He has said in the Word. And with respect to God, we, God is too big. The truth is too great for it to be contained between my ears. And I've taught the kids at 5 o'clock hour when they say, that can't possibly be so because we can't figure it out. And the children have been taught to say, even though my mind is not big enough to contain it, my heart is big enough to believe it. Amen. God wants you to believe the truth. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, has come now and indwells every believer. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can have that wonderful infilling, that indwelling, and, and uh, can experience that overflowing as well. Be filled with the Spirit. I want you to join me in prayer as I ask God to help me in the next few minutes to make this very clear. Shall we pray? Father, fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Help me as I speak. I pray, God, that none of these things will sound so foreign or so strange that people will reject them uh, out of hand immediately, but instead they'll, they'll believe, as you've told us in the Word of God, that... You have our well-being. You, you have our welfare at heart. And you want us to experience all the good things. And Lord, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. My mentor who said, no, I've, I've never been filled with the Spirit, he said, because he was a Baptist, went on to fight that. So much so that that night he said, I'm going to preach the greatest message I've ever preached. I'm going to preach something that I'm very familiar with that I know backwards and forward. I can preach it in my sleep. And uh, I will preach this sugar stick message. That's what they call those kinds of messages. Ones that have been preached a lot of times and they just know them backward and forward, inside out and upside down and so forth. And so he decided to preach on that. And he preached on that and he gave the invitation and boom, it was just as cold as before. He didn't have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. 
And he said, at that point, I got desperate and started giving invitations for people to come forward and give up Kleenex and dark glasses and other things, you know, that are not wrong. But just, just tell them, give up high heel shoes or whatever, you know, just anything. And nobody came forward. And so finally, he said, every head bowed, every eye closed. And he snuck out the side door, went into the educational building to pray. He says, I don't know how long they stayed there before somebody peeked and realized that someone had to close in prayer and dismiss them. But he was over there in the side room of an educational building down in the state of Florida. And he got on his face and he said, God, I don't know what I'm lacking, but whatever it is, I want it. I need your fullness. And he said, now God was willing to do that in an instant, but he said, I had a lot of baggage I had to lay before the Lord. Come on now. Come on. Come on. There's not a person here that hadn't got baggage. So he laid all that before the Lord and the Lord filled him with his power. And he said, well, what did he do? Did he bark like a dog, swing from the chandeliers? No. When he preached after that, his life was so impacted that the preaching was blessed to a much greater degree than it was ever blessed before. And there were wonderful, wonderful life-changing results in the lives of other people. That's what we're talking about. Your life, if you are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to be better at whatever it is that God calls you to be and do. And the Holy Spirit, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to put it down. The Holy Spirit, as we see in John chapter 16, is real. He's just as much a person and just as much God as God the Father or God the Son. There are a number of truths that I want to share with you today. But the Holy Spirit is real. He is exactly what the Word of God says about Him. Number two, He is righteous. He is righteous. And He is, as we have read in John chapter 16, He is the convictor of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He is uh, the one who draws to Himself lost sinners so that they will come and realize their, their, their unworthiness and their need. And that's, if we're anything, we're unworthy and needy people. We need the Lord in our life. We cannot do for ourselves what only God can do. But we have to yield to Him. We have to come to Him and He draws us. The Holy Spirit of God is real and He is righteous and He draws us to Himself so that we can be righteous. And then number three, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, Jesus said, Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. This is what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. To be quickened means to be made alive, anew and afresh. Before we come to Jesus Christ, before we're drawn by that, that righteous love, by that, that attraction that we, that we find in Him. Before we're drawn to Him, we are in and of ourselves incapable of doing anything spiritually for ourselves. We may have a moral side to our own nature, but we are, we're not capable of doing anything for eternity because all of our equipment is dead. It needs to be regenerated. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Sin causes us to be spiritually dead, spiritually out of tune, spiritually out of harmony, spiritually out of line. And you wonder what's wrong. I always wondered what was wrong. It was that I hadn't been born again. When I received Christ as my Savior, then the change came. He makes us brand new. He baptizes us into that body, regenerates us. He seals us with Himself. And He imparts spiritual gifts to us. So the moment that we are saved, the moment we come to God through Christ, the Holy Spirit does that regenerating work 
and He imparts at least a spiritual gift, if not more than one spiritual gift, which we then can discover. The preacher preaches the Word, and all of a sudden something, the light bulb goes on, and you say, wow, that's it. I'm supposed to be serving God, and He's given me the wherewithal to do it. There is nobody in this room that has an excuse for sitting back, kicking back. See, I was saved by free grace, and, and no one's going to make me work. You're not working for your salvation. This is the fruit. This is the result of our yielding to God. And he says, I'm just looking for willing folks. I'm just looking for people that are yielded. You see, uh, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, he wants your body. What's in your body? The Holy Spirit indwells your body if you're saved. So he wants your body. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world, the world system. But be ye what? Transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now think with me for just a moment. God wants my body. Did he, did he say that? Come on now. Yes. Amen. That's where you say amen. Amen. He wants your body. You say, well, you know, my body's in bad shape. That's why we take care of the temple. That's why we be careful what we eat and how we exercise and, and what we do and where we go with it and what we put on it and so forth. We want to be careful about it because our body is the personal property of the one who has bought us with his blood. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, we're bought with a price. Therefore, we are to glorify him in our body, which belongs to him. All right, so we belong to him. That's the principle of ownership. I talked about that several weeks ago. That's absolutely the reason why we yield ourselves to Him. But now, before you get swollen up with pride, oh, God wants me, He wants to use me. He doesn't want your mind. He doesn't want my mind. You say, well, I, I, that, that brilliant IQ of mine, He doesn't want to use it. He doesn't want our mind in its present state. He wants to transform it. He has to recycle it. We've spent how many years in this world being polluted by all the false ideas, philosophies, uh, beliefs of this world? Come on now! Why, it used to be, you know, a hundred years ago, nobody would say, nobody would say, oh, that's just karma. You know why they wouldn't say that? Because that had not been integrated into our language from Hinduism. But now, even Christians say, oh, that's just karma. Don't they? They absolutely do. And that's wrong. Because there is a God in heaven who has a perfect plan. And there is a devil who has not yet been to hell, but he's going there one day. But he wants you to go there and share eternity in the lake of fire with him. There is a devil who wants to mess up everything that God wants to do right in and through your life. That's it. So we should desire the perfect will of God, like it says there in Romans 12 that I just quoted to you. But it's not going to happen because we're so brilliant. It's not going to happen. I don't mean to insult anybody. It's not because we're so logical, so smart, have such a high IQ. God wants to transform us. And some of us, he's got a tougher, well, nothing's too hard for God, but he's got a tougher job, a bigger challenge with some of us because we're so stubborn, we just put our, our heels in the dirt and we just, we just resist whatever he tries to do to transform our thinking. I could give you some everyday thinking, some on-the-street thinking. You say, yeah, that's right. No, it isn't. I can show you the scripture why it's not right. And the reason we think it's right is because we spend more time on the street listening to everybody else than we are in the Word listening to what God has to say. Come on, give me an amen on that one. Amen. amen. That is true. That is absolutely true. People, 
that are Christians, professing believers, face a problem, and the first, the second, maybe the third, the fourth, the fifth thing they do is something that they feel naturally that they ought to do or something that they, that they react or respond and they do because they learned it you know, growing up so many years in this world and they do those things because it just comes natural. And then number six, seven, or eight, they finally go to the Word of God and they call up the preacher and they say, where's that verse? Uh, what is that? You know, and they've tried everything else before they got to God. Let me tell you, you need to get around to God before you get around to everything else first. Come on, amen. Amen. So we have, we have the truth that the Holy Spirit is God. He's real, He's righteous, He regenerates. He makes us brand new. He gives us a gift that we need to discover and develop and serve Him with. Everybody needs to do it. If you're not doing it, you got your priorities upside down, inside out, and backwards. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. First. First. But we don't do that. We do it second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, right? We get our priorities all mixed up. Well, praise the Lord, we come to church and get our priorities straightened around. Amen. Now, what, what else about the Holy Spirit? He is number four, the revealer. Put it down. He is the revealer. He guides God's people into all truth. That's what it says. John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus Christ is coming back. We read about that. Someday He's going to come back. I wonder how much change is going to have to take place in our thinking. How much change in our living. How much change in our routine. How much change in our relationships. How much change in our decision making. When Jesus comes back, the Bible says that we're going to be, we're going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be caught up with Him to meet Him in the air. And, and we're caught up there. And uh, I wonder how much change is going to have to take place in the way we figure things out, the way we decide, the way we choose. You say, preacher, I'm getting mad at you. I'm getting madder by the moment. You know why you're getting madder? Because in our carnality, all week long, we've been trying to fix things and make things the way we want them to be. We've tried, tried to direct our will and our path. And Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all, not some, not most, all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Whose responsibility is it to direct our paths? God. It's God's responsibility. We should be trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. We should be leaning not to our own understanding. In all of our ways, we should be acknowledging Him. And He, that's His part, He will direct our paths. So He's a revealer. He's a revealer on a practical level. You say, well, I always wanted to know... Uh, all the kings of Israel in order in the years that they reigned. And if you learn that, that's wonderful. That's great. But you know what? There are more practical things to be learning from the Word of God that impact how we live every day and how we conduct our marriages and how we comport ourselves out here as we're rubbing elbows with folks in the business world. All those things, they're all in this book. Every bit of it. Now, every word is true. Every chapter, every line is the Word of God. It's all inspired and preserved. God will guide us, praise the Lord. He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God constantly. Oh, we've got an invitation to go over here, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, mm-mm. Doesn't that just make the old carnal self angry? Get invited over here to do this worldly thing with this worldly group of people and the Holy Spirit goes, mm-mm, mm-mm. 
He directs us from within. And He continues to do that until, excuse me for saying this, I don't mean to sound blasphemous, until we shut Him up. And we say, no more, I don't want to hear from you. Don't do that. Some of you, you used to hear when you were about to go someplace wrong, do something wrong, go with somebody that would be wrong. You used to hear about it, but you don't hear it anymore because you got tired of being convicted about sin and making wrong choices and decisions contrary to the Word of God. So you said, Holy Spirit, I tell you what, I got a closet up here in the back of my house. Uh, why don't you find your way in that closet? And then you lock the door and you say, you stay in there, don't bother me, I won't bother you. And you know what happens after that? We become absolutely ineffectual as Christians. Oh, you're still on your way to heaven. You've been saved. Got the Holy Spirit, but He's locked in the closet. Here's what I'm telling you to do today. Go to the closet where you lock the Holy Spirit. Unlock the door. Say, Holy Spirit, you're God. I worship you. I want you to inhabit every part of the house of my life. Every single room. Every single place is yours. You make the choices. You make the decisions. You guide me. You direct me. Now you say amen. He's a revealer. He's a comforter. He reveals wherein our comfort is found. Comfort is found in the truth. A lot of people will lie to you. You're going through a problem, and they say, oh, it's not so bad. Liar. You know somebody in your life that's a false comforter? It'll get better. Liar. Who said it's going to get better? Now, I know when we get to heaven, it's going to be better. I know as we're going through this life, we've got the Lord who walks with us and He talks with us and He tells us that we are His own and He loves us and He, and he helps us along the way. But no place in the Bible does it ever say that you're not going to have any problems. Yesterday I was teaching on Noah. It's amazing. Oh, you can ring out of that story. Ah, absolutely true. And what I pointed out to all those dear folks, we had a good crowd yesterday. Bible Institute. When I pointed out to all those folks that for those hundred years or so that Noah was on the project, getting ready for the inevitable flood, he didn't get sidetracked to try to stop the flood from coming. He didn't get sidetracked because the flood was inevitable. God pronounced the judgment. It was coming. It was coming. You can't stop the flood. You can't stop the judgment. You can't stop that stuff, but you can build an ark. And you can get your family in the ark. The ark represents the protection, the security, and the safety that we have in Jesus Christ. Build an ark. You can't stop the flood, but build an ark. You can't stop the problems in this world. You can't stop the difficulties. People are still going to let you down. You're going to still let them down. You're still going to have uh, disagreements and difficulties. That's still going to happen. Nobody has promised that's going to stop. You say, well, why do we pray? You go ahead and pray that way if you want to. But be prepared because this world is filled with troubles and trials and difficulties. This is a veil of tears and of sorrows. And one day we're going to be taken out of here. But until we are, we've got somebody who walks with us and talks with us and tells us that He is our own and we're His. Amen. So He's a revealer. He's the teacher of God's people. But only if they'll permit it. School is only in session. Well, i got to say we've been schooled. We've been through a lot of things. But we don't always take the lesson that He offers us. So we don't often get it, do we? And so we bump into things spiritually and we're all bruised up and we say, I just don't get it. I don't know why God's picking on me. It's not God that's picking on you. 
God wants us to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, guide us, direct us. If you're saved, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, you haven't got the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so everything I'm talking about, your spiritual senses, I mean, everything's turned off. The machine is not hooked up. It doesn't operate yet. You need to get saved. Once you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit within you. You say, why should I do that if I'm going to have all these problems? The, the rain rains on the just and the unjust. Now listen to me. You're going to have problems if you're saved or if you're lost. The difference is if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. If you're lost, you're not only going to have problems down here, but you're going to go to hell. Excuse me. That's what the Bible says. You're going to burn for all eternity. You don't want to do that. We like to get you started right now in this thing called eternal life. We like you to come to Jesus Christ, to be saved the Bible way, and to have a brand new life, be a brand new man, like we sang as we came in today. And so he is a revealer. He is the revealer or the revelator as we speak of Him. Number five, He restores us. He restores us. When we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit desires for us to yield to Him in every way. And as we go through life's challenges, He restores us. We have His fullness. Now it's sad truth that the child of God can live a Holy Spirit-governed life for periods of time and then... And then backslide into a self-willed life for the next period of time. This is sin. I'm telling you like it is. So, oh, well, that's, that's just, you know, that's just the, the human condition. My Bible calls it S-I-N, sin. When we backslide, it's called sin. It's called sin. And it results in God's chastisement. Because if you're God's kid, He's not going to let you do that. Just like, like you're not going to let your kids uh, go off and do something harmful. He doesn't allow that to happen. And, he can, and, and as a result of that, he says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You get a fresh start. He restores again and again and again. Praise God for forgiveness. Praise God for the Holy Spirit who guides us and directs us. And, and praise God for the victory that we can have over the world, the flesh, and the devil through Jesus Christ. Yes, He is the Spirit of truth. Now there's much confusion. Some people get sidetracked. And isn't it like the devil to take a wonderful, glorious truth that I've just preached regarding the Holy Spirit and say, here's what you need. You, you need to just act all crazy and say you're filled with the Spirit. Do all kinds of crazy, antisocial things and say you're filled with the Spirit. So everybody says, get away from me. Get away. I don't want to have anything to do. If, if that's what a believer is, I don't want to be a believer. And that's so true. What I'm telling you is this. Even though as Spirit-filled, overflowing believers, we may have joy and exuberance, we don't want to make it so difficult for the Lord to use us because we're coming off like a bunch of nuts. So please, would you allow the Lord to guide you and direct you? And don't you just add to it so that your behavior becomes a reproach rather than a blessing. I know some folks are very dear folks. And I know that God gives us GPS. Some of you have it electronically. Some of you have a sense. How many, any Native Americans here? Anybody with Native American blood? Anybody? Anybody? You know, they say that people from indigenous peoples. Yeah, you know, and I'm a Native American. I was born in California. I'm a native of California. But, yes, that's, that's good. That's right. 
and you know that you might have a sense of which way is north, south, east, west, you know, and you, you, you've got that sense, or you've got your electronic GPS, or wh whatever that is. But, you know, God, God guides us and directs us into all truth. You have to be directed by God. Amen? You have to be directed into the right path. You have to walk in the way of the Lord. You have to be directed. And what I'm telling you will help you. You need to get saved. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to yield to God. You need to be overflowing and yield to the abundant life so that others will be drawn to Jesus Christ. Now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to speak to you seriously. Please, uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody, nobody looking or moving right now for just a few moments. Let me ask you this. Do you know for sure if you died right now that you'd go to heaven? Are you positive beyond any doubt? I mean, there's absolutely not 1% doubt because you receive Christ as your Savior. You know that He came in your life. He changed you from the inside out. He saved you. I'm not talking about a mere profession. I'm not talking about lip service. I am talking about you prayed and God came in your life and changed you, transformed you. The Holy Spirit made you a new creature from the inside out. If you know that you've had that born-again experience, would you raise your hand so I can see it right now? I've had that born-again experience. I've been saved the Bible way. Praise the Lord. Put your hands down. You couldn't raise your hand, and you didn't because you're honest, and I want to thank you for that. I want everybody who knows they're saved to pray for everybody else here who does not know they're saved. Let me tell you, it's very simple. God's plan of salvation is very simple. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it. That's it. If you're willing to open your heart like you'd open a door and invite a friend in your house, invite Jesus Christ in your life because you want to be saved. You want to go to heaven. The Bible says if we know we're sinners, there's a price on our sin. Jesus paid that price. You're willing to receive Him based upon that truth. Then right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, pray from your heart, not out loud, young and old alike. Pray silently from your heart to God and mean it. Here it is. Pray something like this. Dear God, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, put your hand up high so I can see it.